Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Fired up to be here, boys. When Big I'm Mike fired said, up. When, when Big Mike shot me a text and said, "Listen, you want to be on the podcast?" It was absolute no brainer. No brainer, huh? I like no that. brainer, Speaking baby. Brainers, no brainers. Okay, John Reader, Athleter Podcast. I got to get the intro out of the way, John Reader. Give me a second, golly. Okay. All right. <laughs> Later podcast. John Reader is here. And dude, the, the podcast started five minutes ago. You guys don't know about it, but it did. Let's talk about the mental aspect of the sport. Look, there ever like so I think we've brought this up on the podcast before. When when I was growing up, the people that started strength training like athletes, they had a, a, a distinct advantage. They just did. Now everyone knows how to strength train, how to train their bodies. Um I think the next thing was the mental aspect of the sport. And then, you know, now we're seeing teams investing a tremendous amount of time, money, and energy into, I don't know, mental coaches, mental training. Um, so, so tell me what's going on in Wisconsin and tell me how it's different from the rest of the country. Well, let me go back and let me, like I was telling Joel before we started here, we have something at Wisconsin that we pride ourselves on having access to different levels of mental training. We obviously have the full range of psychologists, right? And, and, and if you go down that road, I mean, that's that's available to all of our athletes. But what we have that's very unique here at Wisconsin is something called a mindfulness coach. And we've tabbed it as, I think we're one of may, maybe the only, if not, you know, one of, of very few schools that provide this. And his name's Chad McGahee. He's world-renowned psychologist, mindfulness coach. But it's not something that you're going to go into. He can, he can, you know, meet with you about depression, anxiety, and, the, and, and X, Y, and Z. But what he really prides himself on is performance, you know, optimization. And how, you know, Mike, you go out of bounds with 30 seconds left in the match, you're down by a point. What are you thinking about when you walk back to the center? What is your anchor? And you think about both of us, all, all three of us here. You think about what you feel like at your best. What, what are the things that come up, the words that come up when you think about the best version of you? How do we get those athletes to feel that, you know, in those high-pressure situations? And What is that? Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I got to cut you off. But what does that look like in the practical term? Meaning, I know how to drill high crotches. Mm -hmm. What is it? But I don't know how to drill going back to the center you know, uh, you know, the JB back pull up, whatever. I don't know how to drill that. What does that look like in, from a practical setting? So a lot, a lot of that, Mike, is going to be, it's going to be, uh, you know, visualization is one, one thing that we do a lot of. And that's, that's something that we've integrated our, our Chad McGahee into our team. So, you know, after practice, it's walking through matches and it's really visualizing those, those, those key moments and then being able to see it before you do it. And Mike, you, like you said, you know, long long time ago it was about strength and, and understanding strength and i remember when i was in college that the psychology part of it and the mindfulness coaches that was like taboo right and it really i wasn't ever exposed to it until i got around kevin jackson and he brought it in on himself it wasn't someone that came in he just was 
at an elite level in his mind and a world-class athlete himself that he was putting that into our team. Did I know it was happening? No. He was walking me through visualization on the bike and matches and stuff like that. But we've got a guy who's dedicated to mindfulness uh, training. You know, and it's it's simple. Like, I, I've got a bunch of uh, different trainings that we I, – I do it as a coach still. You know, me, Chris Bono, Seth Gross, we do it as coaches. You know, one, to understand the training, and two, to be able to talk to our guys. You know, because everybody's different in their own, their own way. You know, when they're thinking about – you know, you know, you guys know how, how it is that 10 minutes before you step out on the mat, those demons that you're facing, right? And everybody deals with it in a certain way, right? And, you know, not everybody's John Reeder. And, you know, you can't wait to get out there and put your hands on that guy. You know, so being able to navigate around my athletes and the needs that they need met, um, you know, really, truly just being able to find that anchor that's going to help them be the best version of themselves. Do you think that, do you think that it, it's, it's tricky because not every athlete is the same, right? Mm-hmm. So, not, like, is there enough time in the day? to 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 evaluate what the athletes kind of need mentally physically nutritionally is there like there's just it seems like the the sport is becoming so multifaceted and that's good it truthfully mm-hmm. it's it's a good thing like I, i'm not complaining about it but it's it's becoming this daunting thing to me like holy cow like we got to make sure that we're st- I still got a down block reattack, man. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> there's there's got to be times for down block reattack drills. So, how do you find time to to kind of nurture every aspect of each athlete? It, it, it's a great question, and really, it, it's you know, I, I'm can a we, true hey, believer. Excuse me for one second, uh, Joel. Yep. Can we just uh, can we just mark the, every time they ask? They say it's that's a great question, just so that our editor <laughs> can see that. Right. Go ahead. I'm sorry, John. <laughs> but yeah, but uh, I'm a big believer in, in true individualization. You know, for each mm-hmm. athlete, and, and, and Mike, we could break that down into so many different avenues. But really, when you talk about a performance plan for you specifically, obviously you're going to have your nutrition side of things. You're going to have your strength side of things. You're going to have your skill set in the wrestling room. You're going to have your mental training. And all, all those are going to be different from maybe what my skill set is and maybe what Joel's is. And, and it'd be foolish for me to bring all three of us together and say, hey, here's a cookie cutter program. And we're all three going to follow it. Right? It'd be foolish because all three of us are going to be at different weight classes. All three of us come from different backgrounds. All of us are motivated in different ways. Um, so I'm a big believer in that. And I, I was – uh, that's what I was trained underneath with Kevin Jackson and Chris Bono. And the individual individualization is very, very important. If you want your athlete to go from good to great, to great, to elite. And, um, that's something that, you know, our, our university and our athletic department has put a, a ton of emphasis on is really surrounding our athletes with as much resources as possible, you know, from a nutrition strength and, um, X, Y, and Z. But what we do here that I, I, I'm a big, uh, fan of is when we get an athlete that comes in right as a, as a true freshman. So, Mike, you're a true freshman. You come to Wisconsin. The first thing I'm going to put you through is from a, from a performance standpoint is a DEXA scan. It's the most elaborate. It's the most – it's like a high-class X-ray unit. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit you down. I'm going to lay you down, and it's going to scan your, your whole body, your body fat, your visceral fat, your bone density, your muscle mass, the percentage of muscle on your left bicep to your right bicep. And then we're going to sit down and we're going to come up with a plan. All right, you want to go 165, 
here's the plan. I'm going to get with my nutritionist and I'm going to get with my strength coach and we're going to make the most optimal plan, strength and nutrition for you to meet that, to be able to perform at a very high level. And that's, that's honestly where I'm, I'm so far removed from my college career that I, I didn't have access to this kind of stuff. And when I got to Wisconsin, I, it blew my mind. I'm like, this is, this is absolute wild. I was, you know, I was handed a 64 ounce Gatorade and said, Hey, here you go. You know, figure out what you'd like to eat. And I couldn't figure out why my stomach hurt when I would wrestle. You know, now these guys, it's, it's literally, it's not, there's a no think process. They're so, everything is right there in front of them. They just got to consume it and go compete at a high level, but they're doing it the right way. It, they understand their, their hydration. They understand, you know, when to eat it, what to eat it. Um, and that, to me, man, Texas and oh, at, at a university is awesome. But what, how are you evaluating the mental aspect of the sport? That's the tricky part to me. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm sure that the Dexcan is awesome. Yep, nope, it, yep, it is. Yep, for sure. But it's like there, yep. there has to be a way to kind of evaluate and then supplement the, the the mental aspect of the sport that the person in front of you, the, the true freshman, is is either lacking or is, is excelling at. And, and that's that's the tricky part, right? There's no real real easy answer to being able to evaluate the mental side of things. The more I can understand my my athlete as an individual and really what what motivates them and what what they've come from and and just building a relationship. Really, Mike is understanding my athlete from a relationship standpoint. Um, and really understanding that person and, and being able to, hey, listen, obviously, Mike, I, I know how you, you, you handle this. And it's really just nourishing it in a, in a positive way. I'm trying to surround my guys with as much positivity as I possibly can. And, um, but I, I wish I could do it justice what, what our mindfulness coach is able to do. He's a, he's a wizard, man. He's an absolute wizard. What are when you have someone working with Chad and, and your mindfulness coach, um, you know, what are some changes that you see on, you know, a day to day basis and maybe even at competition to say like, hey, this is working? Yeah, I think it's an energy standpoint. Number one, right. They're excited. They're 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 you know, their thoughts and their emotions. You can see it. It's at a, it's in a different level. Right. They're they're, uh, you know, they're anchors, something that that we do a lot too. And, and I know I've on my wall over here is is what I was telling you before, Mike. You think about what's the best version of you. What when you're thinking about when you're op, when you're performing at a high level, what what are the words you think about? Confidence, you know, you're calm, you're present, all, all kinds of things like that. And being able to help that athlete anchor those words, you know, in every moment as they walk into the wrestling facility and you know I, they went three days hard and it might not be something they want to do today, but understanding how to bring them up to that level and i, I honestly man I, I think it's a huge it's a huge part of performance bringing it to another level for sure well when when you so you say energy man not everyone is john reader right uh, a kid that that you and i are both very familiar with joe zargo is yep. is not the the bouncing off the wall kind of high energy kid how do you how do you see the results in that kind of kid well i think joe number one joe joe i absolutely love joe and joe is if if he's um if he's one thing 
that I could tell about Joe is he's a perfectionist, right? He wants to do absolutely yeah. everything right, and he's a guy who is gonna he's gonna do it as many times necessary until he does it right. And right. he doesn't, you know, really the fear of failure and the things like that are, are what comes out in being able to change those those emotions. Like if Joe loses a match, it might he might take it a lot harder than a guy like you know Seth Brooks, who's very easy, calm. All right, I'm on to the next one. That's kind of his mindset. Right. Where Joe, you know, being able to understand and get him over that loss. Uh, but Joe, but these guys, man, I'm telling you, they've tied into Chad and, and being able to, to take their game to another level has is, is been great. Uh, traditionally, you know, I think, you know, wrestling programs haven't had the same resources and investment, you know, that things like football, basketball, sports like that. And, you know, when you talk about, First thing a kid gets on campus and they get a DEXA scan. That's not something that I, I think that you know most most wrestling coaches think about. Uh, you know, being a game changer. But how how impactful is it having the resources at hand to to be able to invest and do these different things and start to get science as part of your program? Well, it, it, like I said, it's something that I I never had access to as an athlete. Right, I, I never knew this was something that I could do until I was exposed to it when I got here five years ago. You know, I'll, I'll never forget my first day on campus and really understanding everything that we had access to. And I remember that night looking at Coach Bono and saying, man, we were recruiting against this. You know, we, 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 we had to come up against this in a recruiting battle. And I couldn't believe it. Boy, it's, a hard, it's hard getting kids to Brookings when you're yeah. dealing with that. Well, it, it, it's not even that. It's just like I love my time in Brookings too, but you put yourself, you know, kind of in blinders, so to speak, and, um, I didn't think there was another better place in the world than Brookings. And then when I, you know, you get here and you're exposed to just another level of resources. And um, I was like, wow, man, as far as performative, you know, optimization, I'm like, holy cow, these guys got absolutely everything they need to be national champs, the best versions of themselves. And, you know, this athletic department is about winning. It's about winning, but doing it the right way in, in, in every aspect of your life. You know, and being able to chase down national championships, this program, this athletic department, that's what they're all about. You know, and it's it's something I'm very grateful to be a part of and the access that these guys have and just in every aspect of, of their college careers. It's something truly, it's truly um, amazing for them. Um, all right, let's switch gears a little bit. DJ Hamity finishes his season. Now, I think a lot of people on the outside looking in, maybe not ter like wouldn't if they were a DJ Hamity fan, maybe mm -hmm. wouldn't be terribly happy with the way that he finished the season. I don't really look at it that way. That was a brutal weight class. Um, how do you, as a coach, sit him down? What what is the the meeting after the season? look and sound like what was the tone like when you're meeting with him is it like hey we got to get to work and we got to get to work quick or is it like hey let's let's take a second to lick our lick our wounds here this was a brutal season brutal conference brutal brutal ncaa tournament um what what is that because i just specifically that kid because the the joy that that kid brings to the mat is pretty amazing like i love watching him compete like i love watching him compete he just kitchen sinks it but he fell a little short this this year i know those are not his goals 
And so I just want to know what you say as a coach to a kid like that who maybe didn't end his season the way he should have. Absolutely. And, and like you said, DJ is an absolute pleasure to, to be in his corner. And just his energy and his positivity that he brings, is, it, it's a lot. It, it's, it's what you want in a kid. He's, he's very happy. He's very grateful for the opportunity to, to, to compete. Did he accomplish his goals? Absolutely not. He was a, he, he's become a two-time All-American, but his goal is to be a national champion. And that weight class is, is absolutely brutal. I mean, it was just talent upon talent. And, you know, you got Keegan O'Toole and Carr and, and Quincy. And, and there, there's the names and list goes on and on and on. And, but that was something that he, he was excited about and is excited about in the future. And, but a guy like DJ, what I tell him, and obviously we're always evaluating the program and guys and how do we get this better and 1% better. But for a guy like DJ, DJ is really good. He's, he's here already. You know, and it needs to, it's not, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. It's, it's literally, it's the positional battles for, for DJ. It's, it's understanding that a lot of his matches that he did lose were 15 seconds left in the matches where kind of things went, you know, sideways. His baseline defense got off, uh, you know, or he got pulled up in the underhook and got taken down by a meme with 15 seconds left to lose the match. You know, so it's more of a positional battle for him and really understanding that when we get in here, it's got to be really locked in in those positions. And and like I said, we're not reinventing the wheel. He's very excited and, and uh, he's more motivated than ever. How often do you uh, do you get kids, you know, what's the breakdown where you have just making tweaks to, to where they're at to, hey, we got to reinvent the wheel. And how does that change your approach to, to coaching? Well, there's obviously a big jump from your high school into college, right? So they're, they're already ex extremely skilled athletes, but you're also not going to get, you know, if you want to call them stars, but you're also not going to have 32 five-star guys on your team, right? So there is going to be a wide range of different skill sets and different guys that their needs need to be met. That's why, again, a lot of the individualization for those guys, especially the young guys, man, that transition from high school into college, you know, learning how to sprawl is something that we've learned from a very young age. But when you get to college, man, it, it's like almost survival mode, trying to get guys off your legs, you know, and the baseline defense. And But really, when they come in, it's, 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 it's building off of their strengths, but shoring up their fundamental skills as well. You know, and each, each level of kid, you know, from a high school senior coming into a freshman to a senior in college, their skill sets are going to be a little bit different. You know, we've got guys that are coming in off of uh, – you know, they're going to be our incoming freshmen in here training already. And to see the success that they've had at the high school level and then coming in to guys that may not be starters and seeing the challenges that they're facing, those are, those are some of the things where it's like, hey, it's just you got to tie into this. You got to, your position's got to be here. That's something that you might have got away with in high school, you know, being able to keep your hand up here on a single leg longer than you need that half second. That guy's grabbed my wrist in college. He's a, he's a veteran, you know, it's just the positional battles, but I love, I, I'm a mat rat. I'm a junkie. I can live in the wrestling room. And, you know, we've got a guy that signed actually Poway boy is in the, in the room right now. And, and Lucas Condit and, and just the, the couple of days that he's been here, it's been an absolute joy. Just the, the, just the excitement of a young kid coming into a room full of sharks and excited for the challenge. And that's what, that's what I'm, it's all about, man, is, is helping these guys accomplish their goals and be the best versions of themselves. Do you, so when, when was your first year 
NCAA coaching, not at Wisconsin. What was your first year coaching so, at an NCAA level? I graduated in 2011 from Iowa State, and Coach Jackson put me on staff for for the next season. And that was right okay. before the – so in 2011, I, I wrestled uh, Kale in the finals of the World Team Trials. And right. I spent that year coaching with, with uh, Coach Jackson, and I made the change to go to uh, the Olympic Training Center for two years. So there was a, so, a short split between there, and then I went to, to South Dakota State. Right. So since then, since you started coaching, w- would you say that the the athlete coming into college is more or less prepared for the NCAA level than they were now than than they are? now or when they were golly i gotta rephrase that question that was just word soup when you started coaching were kids more prepared then or are they more prepared now to get into the NCAA? oh they're 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 a hundred times more prepared now i mean we got what is that what do you attribute that to i i think it's the clubs i think the club scene is is it's better than it's ever been and not that it was worse then i just think that these the access that these kids have at a young age, and maybe it's the parents buying in at a younger age and seeing the results, you know, and yeah, we've got great clubs here in, in, in our state, the Ashton Wrestling Academy, the there's, there's a, a wider range of clubs, but you're seeing like an, an Ashton kid be able to translate into a college division one athlete very, very quickly. Right. And there's a, there's a reason for it. There's guys that are leading their clubs that have had success and massive success and being able to, have that access as a, as a young athlete. I mean, right from when they're coming in as, you know, seven, eight-year-old, nine-year-old kids, all the way up until they make that transition into college. I mean, those are things we, guys, we would have died for that, right? I had the local gym coach as my, as my, as my coach. You know what I mean? He had a mean freaking sit out, but, but I didn't have, I didn't have any of those skills until I got to college, you know? And again, I was one of those kids that had to have that, uh, that transition was hard. I wasn't, I wasn't exposed to that level of just another level, but these kids are getting it from a very young age and they're very fortunate. And I mean, you're, you're seeing it on our world level too. our cadets, the age level cadets, the winning world championships. I mean, you talk about the, the success that each age level is having, there's a reason for it. And I think to me, it's the club level. It's the, it's the emphasis that USA wrestling is putting on these age level teams and, um, getting these kids around elite level coaches from a younger age is, is very important. You know, Kevin Jackson, one of the most decorated athletes in USA wrestling history, leading a cadet world team. Come on, man. I mean, how, 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 how can you not win? You know what I mean? And, and it just, just, that's just one, one example. And, and what a, what a, what a privilege and, you know, for those kids to, to have that kind of level of training and, and exposure. Yeah. I wonder you know, though, and, and- I'm not I, I'm I'm not detracting from that at all. I just wonder if there's more to it. I, I agree with you 100%. It is the club. I agree with you 100%. And I agree with you that a, from a skill development standpoint, it's a huge advantage, right? Because mm-hmm. like you said, the, I mean, the, my my rec coach in 1987 god bless him was certainly not kevin certainly not kevin jackson okay but i think that i think there's more to it i think there's more to it i think i think there's like 
there's just like like you said in Wisconsin, like got Asker Academy. You got but you also got Nazar, right? Like yep. there's there's like yep. like there's real real coaches that wrestled at a senior mm-hmm. level that are now spending time with with kids. And I think that the professionalism in coaching um leaves less space for like crazy dads and like broke we used to call it bro coaching <laughs> just just you know barking in the corner or you know like those those knuckleheads that just bark get up well you don't think he's trying to get up stupid you know so if there's if it's not just skill development is there something else that's going on across the well, country I, I, and i, I agree. also i also think too like it's not only just a skill development that those kids are getting access to but you think about like the Ashcombe Wrestling Academy, the Valiant Prep with Larkin and Cejudo. And I mean, we could go on and on with different clubs and Pinnacle with Jared Lawrence and, and Brandon Paulson. So you, you take those clubs and you talk about how successful their coaches have been and the success that they had and the, and the things that they learned along the life experiences that they've had with nutrition, with strength, the things that were important in their success. These kids are getting that from a very young age now. So it's important. And also they're educating the parents from, from, you know, Johnny over here is seven years old. He's learning about, you know, nutrition, things that are important, you know, and, and, and how to properly fuel your body from a young age. I mean, come on, man. We were all eating at Taco Bell before high school wrestling match. I mean, I was one of them, you know, and mom thought that was good, you know? So, but it's just, it's just, these guys are getting world-class education on every level of, like you said, like how to be a professional athlete. And it, it's really cool because uh, obviously I think it, to me, and I know I'm biased, but the USA wrestling's never been in a better place than it is right now. And it's an exciting time. And we've got a guy like Seth Gross that's in that mix and in in that uh, world right now trying to chase down a world title. And, you know, I, I know he would say the same thing. These, these young kids are just, they're absolutely phenomenal. And I watch these guys. I, I love watching those youth you know this the, the younger age group levels and just they're 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 good they're, they're super good how important is it for for younger wrestlers to be specializing in wrestling and, and be doing it year-round as opposed to uh maybe trying out different sports well I, I think that's a tricky question right i think that you know it's i'm a believer in being exposed to as many sports as you can Right. I, I, that's how I believe. Right. But I, I think that you are seeing kids specialize younger. I mean, my son is five. He's not he's not wrestling yet. And I don't plan on him wrestling for a while. But I do want I, I do want him to be exposed to as many sports and find his passion that, that he can he can be in. Right. Be foolish for me to say, hey, you know, I'm your dad. And you, the only thing you can do is wrestle. You know, I don't know if he's going to want to do that. But I I I, I want I want my kids to be exposed to as much stuff as they possibly can. But I do, I do see those kids that do do that, and they're kind of, they're kind of a little bit further back than those guys that are specializing. You know what I mean? So it's, it's hard, man. It, it is hard. But I, I'm not going to tell you that you, you can't play multiple sports because I, I think that makes you a more rounded athlete. And we've got a great, you know, new hire head coach here, Luke Fickle, is a prime example of that too. You know, he's one of the best high school uh, heavyweights to ever come out of the state of Ohio. And he decided to wrestle and play football at Ohio State. Now, his wrestling career didn't take off, but his football career did. You know, and I think he, he would tell you that his football career was so successful because of the background in wrestling that he had. 
you know? Yeah. So, okay. All right. Hold on now. Hold on now. I got the just right next door and you know, this knucklehead. Okay. <laughs> I got the other end of the spectrum. I know. I, I, I begged him to play baseball. I, I know. begged him. He wants to sit in a wrestling room all daggone day. So how do we deal with that, man? Like I, like I'll try. I just bring volleyballs to the beach with me now because I gotta. I gotta get them to do something except for friggin' outside steps. You know. How do you deal with when your son chooses wrestling, and that's all he wants to do? How do you get him to? Because I really do believe that you need to be a far more well-rounded athlete. Mm-hmm. I really do believe that. I'm not just saying that it's not lip service. I truly believe it. Just because I chose to shoot high crotches my whole life doesn't mean that you do. But but he has chosen that path. How are we getting these athletes to be more rounded? Because there's there is evidence that's showing that there's chronic injuries that occur because of specialization. There there's there there is a small small drawback to yeah you're right these kids skill wise are more advanced in eighth ninth tenth grade than they would have been had they played three sports but there's a small drawback well some of them have busted up knees their hips go by the time they're 30 right so how do you tell a kid like hey man it's not just about wrestling maybe we just kind of look at this from a broader spectrum yeah tough that's 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 tough i know thinking about my own son now i i know that Number one, you're gonna you're gonna support your son, right? You're gonna be you're gonna whatever his passion is, you're gonna be right behind him. And if he doesn't want to play baseball, he doesn't want to play baseball. If he wants to play piano, let's let's freaking be the best piano player in, in the world. But I understand, like you said, man, it's it's hard. And you know, how do you force a kid to, to play a sport he doesn't want to play? Um, tough, tough. That's a that's a tough question. Joel, what what are you gonna say with that? I don't know. Yeah, I, just want to change the subject. <laughs> I don't have. I don't have any kids. I was gonna just ask. I was know, letting like, you tap in, brother. I was letting you tap in. How many? How many of your your kids at Wisconsin that come in are solely wrestlers compared to maybe playing a few other sports? I, I know a prime example of a guy who was just in my office is is a four time All American Trent Hilger, right? And he got also recruited at the highest level in Division One football. Right. He was a heck of a football player in high school and could have played. He could have played here at Wisconsin as a fullback. And so he, he was he was doing the both route, but he never specialized. He never specialized. And I think that made him a better football player. I think that made him a better athlete. But, yeah, I think I think Trent was is a prime example of a guy who did both sports. But a guy like me, I didn't. You know, I didn't. And I was more like your son, Mike, that that I, would, I wanted to be around the mat. It was something that really drew me to that sport and i think my parents saw that and they kind of you know just were behind me to give me any opportunity i wanted and really let me run with my career and just kind of facilitated opportunities you know but but they never pushed me you know to to do multiple sports and i did it as pop warner stuff but i just never had a passion i never had a passion for it like i did wrestling it was more like Mm -hmm. hanging out with my buddies playing football or playing baseball and I never excelled in it. It was until I hit the mat and I was like, holy cow, you know, this is, you know, I, I like the violence part of it. I like, I, I just loved, I loved uh, the physicality. I loved, I loved it, you know, and it was something that drew me to that sport. And I didn't, and once I was really exposed and so I really dug my feet in, I didn't want to do anything else. Um, 
magic or well you know what let's before we get to that one how about this you and seth gross on the same coaching staff is just to me it's perfect to me it's perfect because seth is very very personality wise different than you are he's far more laid back he's far more chill and he's far more cerebral i'm also on the other end of the spectrum don reader has one of the most iconic photos in all of wrestling and if you haven't seen that photo of reader it's the the greatest ever and that kind of epitomizes you as an athlete but it's not far off from you as a coach right like it is not that far off from like that that picture is not that far off from you as a as a human how do you balance with Seth, right? Like, how do you like, cause it seems like you're a lot and he's kind of understated. How do you guys work it out in the room? I absolutely, I can't speak highly enough about Seth Gross, number one. And just number one, the person he is, he's one heck of a wrestler. He's world-class in every reason or every way. And I truly believe he's going to be a world champ this year. This guy's on a mission and I can't speak highly enough about just, type of person he is but i absolutely love this guy to death man I, I it's like a yin and yang it really is and it's funny because we live together we run together you know i, I we, we put him through all these workouts but i'm doing it right alongside him and you know i'm that 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 guy that kind of builds him up and brings him up and motivates him and gets him to this another level of you know belief in himself and but it is it, it is like a yin and yang it, but but it's so good man there's so tight there's i don't need to be high sprung 24 hours a day, right? So he does bring me back down chill, and um, I absolutely love him. I think he's one of the best, you know, coaches in the country. His skill level is on an, it, it's it's far beyond a lot of coaches, and um, his his just thought process and what he's thinking, and you know, it, it's so much different than the way I thought, you know. And it's really cool to be able to just bounce ideas off of him, and you know, you might get the same way. You're, you're always trying to learn, so. There's many times where I go in there, I'm trying to pick his brain of, 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 Hey, what are you thinking about when you, you put your hand on him? What, you know, your go-to attack, what are you thinking about if he does this or, you know, he responds in this way. It's cool to see his response because it's a lot of the time it's backwards from what I would be thinking, you know, and, and to be able to build that off and, and, and help our guys. It, that's, that's the true, that's the true benefit of it is you do have both ends of the spectrum and you're able to, you know, help our guys. And, I can't say it enough, man. All, we have 32 guys on our team, but all 32 of them are different in, in certain ways. And to be able to to provide, you know, different thoughts and you know experiences, and I, I can't say enough about him. Like, you know, I could go on and on about him. You know, he's just a good I'm a person. He's, he's, I'm, 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 I'm a huge fan too, and I, I think uh, he's a very underrated coach. I think he's he's uh, he's an exceptional young young coach that's got a, a really really bright future in front of them so and uh i'll use this time to uh plug seth's podcast if you haven't listened to that great episode as well um yeah but one uh one quick question i did have there so obviously you talk about your guys's individualized training that you you know you kind of customize everything for each of your individual athletes i assume the same thing goes along for seth um, but being that you will have athletes at so many different levels with so many different areas of focus, how do you bring that all together into kind of a 
single cohesive you know team or, or single practice absolutely there, there's going to be team practices and there's going to be individual practices right where those individual practices are more broken down into the, the areas that joel you need to work on mike you need to work on and we're going to really dive in and, and, and work positionally slow things down and really train you as an individual but there's team practices where you know we just got off of a certain dual meet and these were the team weaknesses these were the things that we need to as a team kind of we're glaring in this in this situation we need to address this as a team um but absolutely the message is always the same from from the values and what our, our program stands stands for as a team but that individualization is very very important i think that those are the gains that you make as an individual is when you break it down and you're able to really really sharpen your individual areas but the team part, hmm. you know, it's 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 probably a 50-50, you know, as far as breaking down a week for us. You know, 50% of the time, I would say, is, is team workouts and then a lot of individualization when it comes to, you know, the drills with one-on-one -on, -one on top of a guy and making sure that we're really addressing areas and game planning for a matchup that's coming and, and being able to adjust, you know, if we've seen an opponent multiple times and, um, game planning for, for, for certain individuals is important. All right. I, I got to switch gears one more time. You are probably one of the most positive, all around positive coaches I've ever been around. I can't imagine that there aren't negative thoughts that creep into your head. How do you? as a coach deal with them and deflect them i i always like if you see me clap my hands in front of my face it's because there's a thought that i don't need and i'll immediately clap my hands and, like the kids know like mm, mm, you know that's not good <laughs> um and so i'll clap my hands in front of my face and i'll go in a different direction mentally how do you deflect those those thoughts that you don't need or want during practice time or or wherever I think, think, think for me is a lot of it is trying to consciously be present in, in, in every moment. And, I, and if you try to do that, it's a very, it's a challenge, right? Because you're either thinking about what happened, you know, 20 minutes or a week or a month behind you, or you're thinking far in front of you. And, in, and for me, it's when I do start to think about that, it's how do I bring that anchor back to where I'm at right now? You know, and, and either sitting in a chair right now, just being able to be present in, you know, you're connecting with the chair, you're connecting with the, the, the ground, and all of a sudden I'm here, I'm present with you, and I'm going to give you the best version of myself. And for me, the way I carry myself, obviously it is, I'm, I'm, I'm like, uh, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. So my guys know that it, it comes from a genuine part, but I want my guys, when I walk into that room, they feel my energy. They're going to absorb that energy. They're going to they're gonna feel when I come in there and I'm negative, or if my head's down and they, they see my tail in between my legs, they're going to feel it. You know, and I'm, I'm a big believer in when you step foot in that room, it's, it's all about getting better. It's all about getting each other better. It's about being selfless teammates and, and, and trying to accomplish a goal as, as a team. But listen, man, everybody has those, those negative thoughts. Everybody, multiple times a day. And it's, it's one, being okay with them being there and being present, but being able to quickly say, all right, I'm here. I'm right now. Is it helping me or is it hurting me? Is it helping me or hurting me? If it's hurting me, let's get rid of it. You know, and getting back to consciously thinking about, you know, little anchor words. And I know it sounds silly, but it's something that Gross and I, like for a prime example of how to uh, apply this. You know, we've got 
a bubble, and I wish I could show you guys, but there's a bubble, and inside the bubble it says best. You know, and it meaning what 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 do you feel like when you're at your best? And you know, when we went through this training, you think about all these words that come to mind when you think about when you're the best version of yourself. And I'm looking at it dialed in, fearless, positivity, focused, all these little branch words that come off of the best, right? And for a prime example, very something that's so small and so it seems so silly, but you know, when we're doing match matches on the treadmill, you know, we're about to do hard sprint matches on the treadmill. You know, you're looking at them and I'm like, hey, it's, it's time to dial in. Or What's your anchor word right now? Relentless, dialed in, you know, focused, positivity. You know, and being able to focus on those words, you know, just keeping it present, it's very, very important. Very important. That's killer. That's killer. You know, and I think, I think too, a lot of that, you know, not to branch too far off into what that mindfulness, but it's, it's like uh, how do you get your athlete after something doesn't go right, you know, there's like that window where it's high, high emotion reactivity after like, hey, you just lost a match, you know, and some guys say you're say you're in a, you know, in a, in a tournament and you lost a match. And some guys, it takes them one hour. You know, you talk about this like one hour time frame to get back to like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm all right now again. You know, and how do you get them to be like, as soon as it's done, boom, we're done. It's on to the next, you know, and, and helping those athletes understand that it's, it's, it's key. I'm a big believer in it, man, and, and, and why not overturn that stone? That's such an interesting way to uh, really customize your approach to an individual's mindset, right? Like where you, you build your own words of, of what you see as you being at your best. Do you have like a, you keep that in like your phone or something so you can like refer to, to Why well, funny if, yeah, if, right I, if I, if you were in my office right now, so this guy has a big, he's got big, you know, uh, sheets that he brings in and we just mark on them and they're all over in my office and guys, so when they come in there, it's, it's almost like a conversation piece, you know, or like coach, what are you, what are you talking about with that? You know, the behaviors, emotions, senses, you know, all, all the kind of stuff that we, we go over in training. You know, I'm able to talk to my guys because they're doing the same thing. They're, you know, and it's funny, like, I'll, I'll be warming up with the guy. I wrestle with the guys, run with the guys, lift with the guys every single day. So I'm, I'm in the trenches with the boys. So, like, when we're warming up before practice, you know, we're running around and we're getting loose, ready for wrestling practice. I'll look at somebody, DJ or whoever, what's your anchor word today? You know, and it, it's being able to connect with my athletes on that, on that level of understanding that mental side. I, I can't speak enough about the mental training. We all want to wrestle hard. We all want to lift hard. We all want to do all the other things. And that everybody in the country is doing that. But no one's training what's in beside their ears on another level, right? You just expect to show up when, when, when it's game time. Some guys do. But other guys, it's like, man, why, did that, why is that guy such a killer in the wrestling room? But he can't do it when he goes out to the competition. You know, and, and, and I wish I would have known these things when I was 20 years old. You know, it just so happens that there's a lot, long, a lot later in life. Yeah, but that's not a bad thing, though, man. No, I mean, absolutely it, not. Absolutely not. Because we, the, you know, I, I don't want it to all go back to money, but it, it's like there wasn't, there just wasn't enough resources around the sport as we were growing up. There just wasn't, you know, and, you know, you said that the clubs and the and the skill building is one of the things that has 
really risen in the last 10, 20 years. But the truth is 99.9% of the coaches that you're talking about that are developing the skills in those youth wrestlers would either be at a college level like Lawrence or Larkin or all those guys. But now there's actually money, like real money in in coaching wrestling from all ages. And so it's like, why not, right? Why not excel in the mental aspect of the sport? Why not excel, like have full, you know, people that are fully devoted to the nutritional aspect of the sport. Um, all right, I got one more question for you, and it's not going to be an easy one. All right, I like it. I know you do. If you had a magic wand and you could change one thing about wrestling, what would it be? Ooh. I don't know, man. I think, <laughs> I, I, I think there's a lot of things. You know, I know one. It's just I know there are, but just one. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I, and I, I know there's a lot of different opinions on on the out of bounds for folk style wrestling, but I mean that's just the first thing that popped in my head right now. Yeah, but I, I think that there's a lot of people that are against changing it to a push out rule or, or something like that, you know. And then all of a sudden that invites to set subject subjectivity on if you have a push out rule, then guys are gonna they're gonna scheme it and start doing the the grounded and all that kind of stuff. And I understand it, but I think that there's so much sub subjectivity when it comes to, all right, it's either an action call or it's a push out call or it's a stalling or what, whatever it may be, you know, and some refs don't want to make that call with, with 10 seconds left in a match when dude make the call. That's the, that's the call. That's, that's, that's why the it's there. You, that's the rules you put in place. I don't like that as a, as a coach because all three of us could, could view that position in a different perspective. And all three of us could make a different call. And I've seen it all season long, you know, and it's, it's, that's the frustrating part. But the frustrating part is really, if I were to bring like a, a, a non fan of wrestling to the sport and be able to sit them down and watch it, they'd be like, what the heck just happened? You know, why did that guy just go like this? You know, why did that guy just give a point? And he just got pushed out. You know, he didn't take him down. What happened? You know, so it's, if it was just a little bit easier for, for those, those kind of positions, but man, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that would change. There's a lot of things. Sure. 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 Um, I I'll take it a step further. I'll take it a step further. I don't think there should even be a grounded rule. How about that? Foot goes out of bounds. One point, whether it's freestyle or folk style. Look, let's be yes. honest, man. I, I really, I, I really truly believe this. I think that step out rule like helped save freestyle wrestling. I really do. Like it's, it has changed not just the, the, the pace of the match, the pace of a tournament, the pace of a day, right? Like <clears throat> you can't, you know, the, 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 the sock pull up on the way out of bounds that JB does is, is, is the most egregious thing, right? There used to be guys that would full on tie their shoes, like untie and then tie their shoes just to get a blow because they knew they could go with no penalization at all. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I can remember Kerry Cola going like, look at him, yeah. you know, look at him. He, he just untied his doggone shoe. Like, what are we talking about? So do you ever see there being a step out rule in the NCAA? 
I, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I know our, our coach Bono is actually on the rules committee and I don't, I don't know if it's going to go in that direction. I really don't. So I would say probably not, you know, just with, with, I, I, I would not anticipate it. I really don't. I really yeah. don't. What, yeah. here, here's a question for you. What, what's your view on top? As far as, as far as riding, as far as riding, or do do you, do you think there should be more emphasis on the guy having to turn a guy, but, but you know, as a skilled athlete and a guy who understands folk style wrestling, how hard it is to really hold somebody down. It's impossible, but it's hard. Yeah. I also don't like the the thing of, of, you know, I saw a lot of dual meets this year where the, the rule is if I make an attempt on top, to return you back to the mat, I can let that action go as long as possible. You know, and I yeah. saw, you know, 45 seconds to a minute where a guy would just half attempt to lift him up and put him back down, and they never, you know, they run him to the edge and get him out. So one of the things that I, okay, and now, now we're talking, right? Because one of the things that I hated about freestyle and Greco, and we're going we're, we're gonna to talk about pre-2007, Okay, pre-2007, they would literally, and I'm not exaggerating, they would change the rules sometimes week to week, John Reader. Like, there was times where I would have to get a briefing. Like, you know when they call the rep, the coaches over, the referees call the coaches <laughs> over in the beginning of a wrestling tournament, and I never go? Well, guess what? I, at that point, I really had to go, okay? So they, they, they what they never really did was they never allowed for the – the action to be gained and then the action that they're talking about to be regained right so what i'm saying is there was there was a point about 10 years ago where everyone in the ncaa and everyone that was a good high school wrestling coach uh, folk style wrestling coach they made a point of emphasis on mat returns okay now in my room right now we drill on a very consistent basis, no less than five to six different ways to mat return. Now, what does that mean? Just like you said, the guys have gotten so good at mat returning. There's there's 15 different ways to mat return. When when I was growing up, it was just lift and return, lift and return, lift. And return. No, 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 no. Frank Molinaro changed that when he started clamping down on the on the ankle, and and you know guys like Seth Gross threw a leg in and snaked it to the other leg, dude. They change things, okay? So now there's 15 different ways to mat return. And what you're seeing is a, a revitalization of things like a switch or like a, you know, a, a hand down and because he can't lock his hands. You know, so I think what the best thing that they did was to incentivize turning someone, except, you know, put a four-point near fall in. But I think what we're going to see very soon is people really gaming the bottom position better, never allowing his hands to come close to locking. Like I can feel myself, my elbow dropping to my hip right now, just not allowing him to lock. Um, but I think it's it's become such a point of emphasis over the last 10 years mm-hmm. that I love that the bottom guy is get, is forced now, is forced to become a lot better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Good stuff. All right, Joel, what else? Anything else, brother? Yeah, I've got one final question for uh, kind of the, the younger guys out there of 
how would somebody high school wrestler get get on the radar of, of Wisconsin and be able to get access to their their DEXA scans and all of their individualized training? Right. So I, I do a lot of the recruiting here and, and we're very, very active. You know, we're, we're all over the country when it comes to um, competitions. You know, I, I love guys that like to compete. I like guys that like to go out there and, 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 and compete. You know, I want guys that are willing to, to, to lay it all on the line. But but also, you know, number one, you know, obviously every social media you know platform we're on, we're on everything. Right. So there's obviously questionnaires and you can fill out if you want to get on the radar. But we're we're everywhere, man. We're I'm telling you, uh, we go to every single tournament. And we encourage, you know, we're we're looking for those guys that are are they want to be the best versions of themselves, man. You know, and, and here at the University of Wisconsin, the education side of things is is very important, right? So it's you know you walk away with the degree from Wisconsin, you're you're set up for for the rest of your life. You know, I, I call it the 40 year plan. You know, and it's it's uh it's it's something that's very important. So. You know, chasing down kids that, that have a, a, you know, obviously a, a desire and willingness to, to be the best versions of themselves on the mat. And, uh, but also with that side of academics that are chasing down, you know, a, a meaningful degree. But we're at, we're at every tournament, man. Fargo, Super 32, Journeyman, you know, the X, Y, and Z. Every, every tournament, we're there. Any, any tournaments or any results that you look for and say, Oh, if they can if they can win here, then I know they'll be successful at Wisconsin. Well, I, I think that obviously, you know, those are a good indicator of success, but it isn't everything. You know, there's guys that certainly don't go to every tournament and, and have a ton of success on the next level. And there's many, you know, examples of that. But but there is a you know, a lot of tournaments that I really do enjoy going to and watching and, and I think it's a it's a great indicator of guys that are gonna have success. Obviously every age level world team and you know, that whole process of making a world team and watching those guys develop into world medalists and, and world championships, um, those are those are those are awesome. But I think there's also tournaments, the journeyman, the Ironman, the Super Thirty Twos, the Fargos, the you know, and I'm I'm leaving out so many. Um and that's what's really cool is this day and age, there's so many different opportunities for kids to get exposed to high level competition. You know, and there's no excuse to to not, you know, and, and, and you know, even 15, 20 years ago when I was coming through, it just wasn't like that. There, there, was, there was a select few tournaments, and, you know, I don't know if it was just a, a Michigan thing, but we weren't we, – we, we never got access to those tournaments. You know, or never, you know there was no uh, – we never went – we went – I think we went to Super 32 once. We never went to Ironman. We never went to, you know, rest on any of those Blairs or anything like that. So you see these kids having access and – being able to watch, you know, Blair and go against Melvin Prep and, you know, and just just high level competition. You know, now you're seeing these clubs. That this is the breast part. Like tomorrow I'm about to go watch uh AWA and Pinnacle go at it. You know, they're they're gonna be meeting in lacrosse Wisconsin with their, you know, fifteen hammers on each side and we're gonna see two two club teams go at it. And that's what's really cool, man. It's not only just these tournaments, it's these club teams that are able to, you know, push each other and um, re really get to another level. And you're seeing guys like, again, another club guy, David Taylor, M2. Look at the success, you know, that he's having, being able to bring his life experiences and everything that he, you know, that he brings to the sport. Those kids are getting access to that from a very young age. And there's no reason why um, that, that club is having so, so much success. Um, all right. So let's, let's bring it on home. Um, John Reader, how do people get a hold of you or – University of Wisconsin's uh, wrestling team. 
Best way. So, I, yep. So my my contact information is online. Twitter is you know J O N underscore Reader R E A D E R. You can find me there. Um, Instagram, same thing. Uh, email address J T R at athletics.wisc.edu, man. Love and, uh, it. Let's Who's go. Let's you? go. Who's better than John Reader? Nobody. Oh, come on, man. I'm, hey, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to be be on here, boys. And, and your guys' passion, man. You guys can feel it. You guys, you guys can definitely feel it. And, and uh, just honored to be on. Appreciate you, brother. All right, man. I'll All talk right, to you guys. soon. We'll Later, see you, brother. boys.